Welcome back to After the Buzz of Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode. A lot to get, a lot I want to get to today. Uh, all NFL and NBA. First, I'm going to start off with the NFL main topic, main subject: Tom Brady and his current status in free agency, and it's looking darker and darker as Pat- Patriots fans that want him back. So, I want to talk about the pros and cons to getting Tom Brady back, and. Just talk about where I think he's going to go, how it's looking, the whole thing. Then I'm probably going to talk about some smaller subjects like Jalen, uh, not, I just said Jalen Ramsey, um, AJ Boye getting traded to the Denver Broncos. I want to talk about that trade for a couple minutes. Josh Norman going to the Buffalo Bills. Some small things like that in the NFL that are going on that I want to talk about as well. And then I want to get to the NBA. There's a lot going on right now, and I've enjoyed talking about it for the last couple of days, so I want to talk about it on this podcast. A lot going on in the NBA lately. Uh, you had that huge game against the Clippers and Lakers yesterday, uh, the Giannis versus LeBron MVP debate. I want to talk about that MVP debate today. I also want to get into the Celtics. I know a lot of you are from Boston. I'm a Celtics fan. We've had some tough, tough, frustrating losses lately, so I'm going to talk about all of that in this episode starting now with Tom Brady and everything that is going on with him. So let's get to that. When it regards to Tom Brady in the New England Patriots, it's not looking so good at the moment. Us Patriots fans have kept hope. Right now, I'm on the fence like most Patriots fans are. And right now, I think he's going to come back. I think... He's, he's not retiring. I know he's not retiring. I personally believe he's coming back to New England. But it's a 50-50. Really, I think it's a 50% chance he comes back to New England. 50% chance the rest of the field's open. Um, I think there are pros and cons to him staying and to him leaving. And it's not all bad if he leaves. I haven't loved the idea of Andy Dalton being the replacement. I don't love the idea of Jared Stidham being the replacement. Taysom Hill, same thing. I've heard Taysom Hill's name. I've heard a lot of names, and I do believe the Patriots have serious interest in Andy Dalton. That scares me a little. He's not that good. I do think he'll be better than he was in Cincy last year and the year before that because he's playing with Bill Belichick, and I think Belichick is you know, going to help him out. And If Brady leaves, we're going to learn a lot about this Patriots team, and it's a lot about Bill Belichick, too. How does Belichick do with another quarterback? Personally, for me, I kind of already know Bill Belichick is an amazing coach, and he can coach quarterbacks really well. He made Tom Brady who he was, in my opinion, really. Tom Brady's a no-named kid, sixth-round pick. Bill Belichick, you know, he's got no athleticism. He's got he's got it up in his head. He's got the drive. He's got the motivation. So Bill Belichick found that and said, that's a great foundation. Let me build upon that. And Jimmy G, he did the same thing. He builds a lot with these guys. And the season that Tom Brady got hurt, the Patriots missed the playoffs, but they went 11-5 and with Matt Castle at quarterback. And Castle had a decent year that year. So I do believe Belichick can coach these quarterbacks. When it comes to Andy Dalton, though, it's not a great feeling. You know, Marcus Mariota, I have not heard great names out there. But the first of all, what's the pros to Brady coming back? Okay, 
pros to Brady coming back is, first of all, this team is built to win now. We have the oldest team in the NFL. Bill Belichick's getting up there in age. And if we're built to win now, Tom Brady is the guy. I want Tom Brady as our starting quarterback if I want to win now. If I want to win well, I want Tom Brady. I don't want Andy Dalton. I don't want Marcus Mariota. I don't want Jared Stidham. None of those guys. Not interested. I don't think the Patriots can get a quarterback. If Tom Brady leaves, the Patriots are not their starting quarterback next year won't be better than Tom Brady. I'm going on record and saying that. And if he leaves, he walks away. Whoever they bring in is just going to be a tier, at least a tier below what Tom Brady is now. Whether that is Andy Dalton or Marcus Mariota or Jared Stidham, his backup currently right now. I don't know who it's going to be. There have been a lot of names thrown out there. Right now, Andy Dalton seems like the heavy favorite. And it scares me because that's not a good quarterback to have. Can the Patriots make the playoffs without Tom Brady? I do think they can. Bill Belichick is your head coach. You still have a great defense. But there's a lot going on in my head. And I don't want to plan too far, uh, too ahead if I'm the Patriots. If I'm the Patriots, I focus on what's going on with Tom Brady right now. And sure, I focus on a couple other moves, like who am I going to sign back? Like I've heard reports them and Jason McCourty have had some talks about their contracts. I get that. But don't think too far ahead. Tom Brady is really what's – he's the dice right now. He is the first dice in this row of multiple other dice. And whatever his move is, it's going to knock over all the other dice. It's going to set up the Patriots offseason. Whatever happens to him – that's when the offseason really starts for the Patriots. They might sign a few guys before Tom Brady, but they're not going to make any big major moves until Tom Brady either walks out the door or officially inks another contract with the New England Patriots. If he comes back to New England, great. We're going to stay in win-now mode. We're probably not going to get any guy like Andy Dalton or Marcus Mariota. We're going to keep Stidham as the backup, keep developing him, and then we'll get Brady some receivers or whatever he wants. Uh Brady has expressed a heavy interest in getting Antonio Brown back, you know, playing with Antonio Brown, per se. And it seems like a lot of Brady's interest right now, in Brady's interest, is he wants to have fun, play with some of these great wide receivers that he just wants. He wants to play ball with some great receivers, and he wants security. The money doesn't mean a ton to him. He'd love a $30 million contract, but if he has to settle for 26 mil or whatever, that's okay. The money's not a huge deal with him as long as it's reasonable. It's the security. I think he wants at very least two years on his contract because he's at the age now. He is 43 years old. Tom Brady is 43. He said he wants to play till he's 45, and I do believe that is true. That's why security is such a big thing for him. And he knows he's at that age now where, although he may not really realize that he knows in the back of his head, things could fall off the map for him like that because of his age. And, you know, mentally, you know, he's never going to, you know, give up until, you know, it's just time when he's 45 or something. You know, who knows? Maybe plays decides to play till he's 46 or, you know, go that extra. He wants that security because he doesn't know. He just wants that security. He doesn't want that one-year deal, and then has to fall back in free agency because he wants the ability to feel like, okay, I'm kind of invincible. 
Because with New England, in his 20 years in New England, he's kind of felt all, always felt safe. You know, maybe he was a little threatened by Jimmy G there at one point, but he's all he's never had to enter free agency because he's always had these long-term deals, and Robert Kraft's always made sure he was happy, and he's he loves his security, and I don't blame him. I'm sorry I keep saying that word. But just another pro of keeping Tom Brady is you don't have to blow the whole team up on a moment's notice because if you're going to blow the team up in the offseason, you're already planning on doing it now. The Patriots are going to have to wait till Tom Brady makes his decision. By then, most free agents would already you know, come and go. And then all of a sudden, now you just got to blow it up and – I think the Patriots really do have to think about blowing it up if Tom Brady leaves, you know, trading Stephon Gilmore where he saw such a high value. And it's going to be really tough if Tom Brady leaves because it puts the team in a terrible spot. You just lost your quarterback that's been here for 20 years. Now you've got the oldest team in the league. You don't have any young assets, but you're not really contending either because you don't have a good quarterback. And you saw last year with Tom Brady, this team went 12-4, and which is decent, but they were a wild card team. Got booted in the first round. If they lose Tom Brady, Andy Dalton's a new quarterback, that does not make the team any better. So, you know, they might be in the same position, except the five or six seed, you know? Some of the evidence of Tom Brady leaving. First of all, Tom Brady's had a phone call with Bill Belichick, and it did not go well. Uh, Brady's put his house up in Ma- uh, put his house in Massachusetts up for sale. Uh, Patriots have expressed serious interest in quarterbacks such as Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill. And a lot of analysts, pretty much all of them, have said, at this point, I'd be stunned if Brady returns. And those are guys that have insight to it all. You know, we've seen Julian Edelman say, he's staying, he's staying. There's things going one way, things going the other. The thing about Tom Brady is, though, he loves to lead us on. He loves, you know, during the Super Bowl, he... I it was a day before Super Bowl or something on this Instagram. He did a commercial. It was like a Hulu commercial or something. But he said on his Instagram, I forget what it was. I'm going to try to find it right now. But it was like big announcement coming tonight. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh. Is he going to like announce what's going on? Like people were just making a big deal about virtually nothing. He was just trying to lead us on, if that makes any sense. I'm going to find the exact post right now. Um, it was February. Yeah. February 2nd, I have an important announcement. And then everybody was just like, oh my gosh, they were they were flipping out. Like, is this, this is going to be huge, isn't it? It was just a commercial. He loves to lead us on to these things. And I think Tom Ray's trying to have fun with his free agency experience. Not only, you know, traveling to LA to, you know, hang out there for the weekend, but also to lead us fans on. Like, this is his first time doing it. He's had such a successful career. He deserves to toy around and have a little fun. And he's toying around with us a little bit as well as fans. I didn't fall for that. I'm not that vulnerable. I read into things. I read into the little things, but I don't always buy the little things. And some of these little things I'm not buying. Uh, you know, the fact that they're so interested in Andy Dalton, that concerns me a little. The fact that he put his house up for Massachusetts, uh, put his house up in Massachusetts for, uh, put his house in Massachusetts up for sale scares me a little, but at the same time, I'm not buying into 100%. Maybe it was just Tom Brady sitting there saying, I kind of want to move. You know, I think we could upgrade the house a little bit or downsize a little bit. But he said, you know what, also, it's the perfect time, too, because I'm entering free agency. I can toy around with them a little bit. I know, you know, moving houses, that's a big uh, stretch. 
you know, toying around with fans by moving houses. That's that's a weird analogy, but I think he's got the money and you know to do it and whatnot. And I think he's maybe planning on moving houses anyway. So I read into a little bit, but I don't buy it a hundred percent. And then the fact that the uh, phone calls have not gone well with head coach slash GM Bill Belichick is not good either. Luckily, Robert Kraft is here. Kraft always finds a way to. Make Tom Brady happy when Bill Belichick can't, which usually he can, but he just chooses not to. Bill Belichick likes Tom Brady. He wants Tom Brady back, but in the back of Bill Belichick's mind, I think he's sitting here saying it's not the best move for the team. It may not be. The con, the pros to Tom Brady leaving, I will say. Well, I know I just said you have to drop the ball on a moment's notice, but at least when Tom Brady leaves, you can now start looking for the next guy while Bill Belichick is still here. If Tom Brady stays here for the next three seasons, then he retires. Is Bill Belichick even still here in three years? And if he is, how close to retirement is he? If Bill Belichick's got five years left, I really do start to consider finding the next QB because I want to be successful for the next 10 years. I'll exchange one season or two seasons a poor team for success down the road. You know, people are all saying, yeah, I want Tom Brady back, even if it's just for one more run. One more run would be great, but honestly, I'll give up the one more run, sacrifice the next season or two to have the next 10 be enjoyable. And honestly, it sucks to see the dynasty come to an end. If Tom Brady does leave, I'll be devastated. But at the bottom of my heart, I know there are pros to this. And at the end of the day, I'm doing what's best for the team. Tom Brady's my favorite athlete of all time. Favorite athlete of all time. That probably won't will never change. The day he retires is going to be a sad day. The day he leaves is going to be a sad day. But if he does leave, I know there are pros to it. And I know one of the biggest pros is Bill Belichick can start building the next team. Specifically, he can now start finding the next quarterback, which is great. That is awesome. I love that. He can now start looking for the guy he wants. He can get that guy. Maybe it's Jared Stidham. Maybe Stidham's in here starting. Maybe not this year, but next year, next season. And maybe they bring in Andy Dalton. He struggles a little and Stidham gets some games. I don't know. But Bill Belichick can now sit down, find the next guy without Tom Brady in the way and he can potentially give us our next quarterback, because quarterbacks are not easy to find. And when you have Bill Belichick, the one of the best quarterback coaches, one of the best, probably the best coach in general, but one of the better quarterback coaches this game has ever seen, take advantage of that and find your next quarterback for the future. Because we still don't have one. I don't know what Stidham's going to give us or anything like that. So that's a pro for sure. And also, I know I said you don't want to blow the team up on a moment's notice, but at the same time, you get to blow the team up, which doesn't sound like a great thing, but I'm all for the future. I am a future guy. Like if you you know sit here and say now a Super Bowl this year and then you know, you're in a tough spot for the next few seasons or you can sacrifice one to two seasons and be very successful for many years, I'm taking the success for many years. I love the future. Like I'm obsessed with that and young players and all of that draft picks because I just want to set myself up well for multiple years. That is me. That I'm not, uh, you know, I'll just put all the eggs in the basket for one season. That just to me, no, I like to spread the wealth and invest in the future. Um, that's just personally me. So that's why I think I'm a little more optimistic about Tom Brady leaving than some others. 
Not to mention, I mean, Bill Belichick's reluctant for a reason. He's reluctant to give Tom Brady some two-year, $60 million deal for a reason. First of all, this team's in cap uh, trouble, so if they sign Tom Brady to that type of deal, it's going to stay that way. If they don't, now you, your cap space kind of opens up a little bit. And if you get a guy like Andy Dalton or Marcus Mariota or Stidham even as your starting quarterback, that's not as good as having Tom Brady, but it opens up cap space to now go out and get that receiver that you've wanted. Or, you know, I don't know, go out and get whoever. I don't know. You have more cap space. You have more, you know, things to work with. You know, you have more tools in your toolbox. And I think Bill Belichick would like that. I think at the end of the day, Bill Belichick wants Tom Brady back, but also part of him wants to prove he can do it without Tom Brady. To me, I know he can. Even if this team goes 7-9 and nine next season with Andy Dalton as quarterback, I know Bill Belichick can do it without Tom Brady. I, I just, you know, I know the one season Tom Brady wasn't here, the team went, missed the playoffs, but they went 11-5 and five with Matt Castle at quarterback. That was one of the best I didn't make the playoff season of all time. 11-5 is a good record. If you don't make the playoffs, you just got screwed. Uh, that's just sad. That's just not right, really. But Tom Brady... Leaving really just has its pros and cons, and it's a 50-50 at this point. Uh, one team I think you go to is the Chargers. You haven't heard anything about the Chargers so far, but that's what makes me kind of you know, kind of scared about it. Plus, it's in L.A. I think Tom Brady really would love to go down to L.A. for the fun of it, one. Two, they have some great weapons in L.A. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. They've got weapons there. They've got a good offense. And three, it's in L.A. It's a great place to expand his brand. Now, no matter, Tom Brady could retire today, and his brand would still be great. But if he goes to L.A., that's a perfect, that's one of the best places to start a business. Now, part of Tom Brady wanting to play 45 is to prove the TV12 brand works. If he retires now, that definitely puts a hit to the brand. That's why I think he's so motivated uh, to play till he's 45. That's one of the biggest reasons is his brand. And that's why he continues to play. But it's going to be a wild ride. I'm definitely going to talk about this subject some more, but that's all I'm going to talk about for today's episode on the Tom Brady matter. Now we're moving on to the AJ Boye trade. Goes to Denver for a fourth round pick. Um, I don't really have a lot to say on this trade. Uh, the Jaguars are clearly blowing it up. They had Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye, one of the best cornerback duos in the league. A.J. Boye did not play that great last year, probably arguably the worst uh, season of his career, but he's still a decent cornerback, and the year before that, he was a Pro Bowl talent. Him and Jalen Ramsey were a great duo, now both of them are gone. The Jaguars are cleaning the house out, and I don't blame them uh, for doing so. They're in a tough spot right now, Jacksonville is, and they traded A.J. Boye to take some cap space off of their plate and just try to get something for him. The fact that they only got a fourth-round pick for him is a little disappointing. Uh, his talent-wise, it's at least a third-round pick. You, know, you factor in the contract and the fact that he was not very good last year. I think that just hurt his value, but he's at least a third-round pick. You know, Third and a seventh for A.J. Boy, you only got a fourth. So I'm happy Jacksonville's cleaning out the house, and they've shown they're willing to do that, and they took some cap space off their plate, but I think they could have got more for what is a Pro Bowl talent in A.J. Boye. If he plays like he did last year, he's not, but... I do believe he can get back in that form in Denver. For Denver, it's a very good trade. The Broncos, to me, I'm not thrilled that they're going after guys like A.J. Boye, but with Chris Harris potentially on the move this offseason, probably on the move, um, 
They're going to need another cornerback, and this team is built off their defense. So you get a guy like A.J. Boye, I think he fits their system really, really, really well, not to mention. I think he fits the system in Denver really, really well. And I know Denver's kind of in a rebuilding state, but their defense isn't. Their defense is getting older, but they still have some young guys coming in. I'm not saying Boye is young or anything. But if they can just add another piece or two on offense, they can make a run. Like, Denver has the potential to make the playoffs. They just won't because... Their offense just can't produce points. But they're keeping their defense there. You know, they said, all right, a fourth-round pick for A.J. Boye, I'll do that, you know, especially with Chris Harris on the move. So, you know, why not do that? Keep the defense in place just in case our offense gets a, a click. We don't want to just have the defense crumble, sell it out, and then all of a sudden our offense is great and we still don't win because now our defense is bad. They want to keep that stability of the defense there. They want to keep that identity as a very good defensive team. So once they get that guy or, guy or two on offense that can help spark the offense, scoring some points, once that offense gets going along with that defense, Denver's going to be a good team. And they could potentially make the playoffs or at least come close to it. So I don't blame them for making that move. Denver was the winner in that trade. Now the Josh Norman deal. The Bills already had Tredavious White. And he's one of the best young corners in the league. Now they add Josh Norman. Norman is not what he was in Carolina. He struggled in Washington. He's really not that great anymore. He only signed a one-year $8 million deal. Decent corner, but not great. He could be a good number two for them. Bill's defense just got better in my eyes, which is scary. Uh, The Bills made the playoffs. They're clearly trying to push. And they have so much cap space to toy around with. Why not give Josh Norman a shot? The contract's not terrible. It's up to $8 million. I think there's incentives in there. So, you know, it could end up being like a one-year $5 million deal or six by the end of the year. Like, why not take a shot on him to just further your defense that much more and give Tredavious White a little help in the secondary? Not saying he doesn't have a ton of help already. He's just saying he can use a little extra help. Why not add a guy like Josh Norman? I love it. It's going to add a little bit of a fiery spirit to this team. This is a young Bills team. You had a guy like Josh Norman who's been this close. Uh, you can't see me, but he's been so close to the Super Bowl. He knows what it tastes like. He's going to fire this team up. And, yeah, he may not be the you know best when it comes to sportsmanship or whatever, but he can be elite locker room leader. He can fire a team up and hopefully just get to no fights with the team or anything like that, bring the team morale down. But it's a good move for the Bills. They have a lot of cap space to toy around with. Why not? Give Josh Norman a shot. I want to see them upgrade the O-line and get another weapon or two for Josh Allen this offseason. But we still got a long way to go. So why not, you know, start out with by adding to your already very deadly defense. That's all I've got to say in the NFL. So now we're moving on to the NBA. So let's get to that. Okay. To start this out, I want to talk about this LeBron versus Giannis MVP debate. Where do I stand? Giannis MVP. That's where I stand. Um... Giannis won MVP last year. He was my pick to win MVP again this year. So far, I think he's fulfilling that. But today, I've had debates with a couple people, and they seriously are starting to think LeBron should win MVP. Now, he's played great. Like, these past couple games, like, he played against the Bucks. He was awesome. Like, he cooked Giannis in that game. And then he goes ahead and beats the, uh, the Clippers. But a lot of it just... It bugs me is the media and the narrative. Those two things. First of all, you all know what the media is. You know, the people who get the vote. Us fans can have our opinions, but we don't get to vote on um, 
who wins MVP in the NBA. It goes down to the media, and the media is so biased, especially this season, towards LeBron because of the narrative. And now the narrative and the media constantly tie in. When it comes to the narrative, the narrative is, is the story behind it all. And, yeah, you're saying, well, LeBron and Giannis, you know, there's a narrative for both. Yes, but the narrative that's really driving the media towards LeBron, not only because they've always been biased towards LeBron, but his age. He's 35 years old. For a player to be doing this at 35 years old, that's awesome. Giannis is in his prime. People are holding the fact that Giannis is in his prime against him. They're, that's insane. Why? That doesn't make any sense. I've had debates with people today that said, well, yeah, Giannis has got the better stats, but LeBron's 35. What's more impressive? What LeBron's doing at his age right now? Or what Giannis is doing at his age? And I said, well, yeah, that's debatable. You know, what's more impressive? What LeBron's doing at his age versus what Giannis is doing at his age. But age shouldn't matter. Age should not matter. It does to the media, and it makes sense. If Vince Carter, at age 42 or whatever he is, was putting up the numbers LeBron was putting up, media would want want him to win more. It's like, uh, I don't know, throw it at me. It's like, uh, you know, let's say for MVP, you know, a player, would you rather see the 27-year-old in his prime that won it last year win MVP, or would you rather see a rookie win MVP? Like, something like that. The narrative, like, you know, maybe the 27-year-old who won last year has the better stats, but the narrative, the fact that this guy's a rookie, makes you want to vote for him. And I get that. Like, people, when it comes to the narrative, yeah, I'd rather vote for a guy who's 35 years old, that's awesome, a 35-year-old winning MVP, LeBron, who thought he could be doing this at this age, compared to a 27-year-old in his prime in Giannis Antetokounmpo, who won MVP last year. Sure. But Giannis deserves it more than LeBron. The, you know, and the fact that I was debating with this guy, who's a, a LeBron super fan, so I don't want to hear that. That's biased. And... It's just ridiculous. LeBron right now is averaging 25.7 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, and 10.6 assists on nearly 50% from the field. Giannis is averaging, if it pulls up, 29.6 points per game, 13.7 rebounds, 5.8 assists from 50, nearly 55% from the field. Not to mention Giannis has been better on the defensive end of the court. The Bucks right now, Giannis' team, 53-11. The Lakers right now, 49-13. Giannis has more points per game. He has more rebounds per game. He has the better team, better defense, and he's more efficient. But the thing I'll take away from that is he he just shoots around the rim. So I'm not really going to count that towards or against either one of them. LeBron's only a better passer so far. And I know I want to go deeper into this. The narrative leads uh, leads me to lean towards LeBron a little bit. But... Overall, this should be somewhat of a close MVP you know, conversation, but when it comes down to who deserves it more due to their play, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, people have told me, what would Giannis be? This guy, I was debating, I had this big debate with this guy today, and he said Giannis would be little to nothing without the Milwaukee Bucks, and that set me over the edge. Does Giannis have the perfect team around him right now? Yes. Is Giannis a somewhat of a flawed player? Yes. His three-point shot's a little flawed. Without a team like the Bucks, you know, with a poorly constructed team around him, he wouldn't be as good. This is just a perfectly constructed team around him, and it definitely hides some of his flaws and allows him to really shine. 
But even on a poorly constructed team, he's giving you 20 and 10 a night with, as one of the best defenders in the league. I just started with this. I just started my opening statement was, well, it really doesn't matter what team you're on. Your defense is just relies on you. You know, that that's a, that's a you thing. Your defense is a you thing. Giannis is one of the best defenders in the league. That itself, I don't care what he is offensively, that itself is a major impact. If you are an elite defender in the NBA, a defensive player of the year candidate, you make a huge impact on whatever team you're on. That itself is enough. You know, to say he would make little to no impact, the defensive impact he would have is blows me out of the water. Now you go to offense. He would not be as good, but he'd still grab at least 10 boards a game, at very least, probably 11 or 12 or still 13, whatever he's grabbing right now. And his points, yeah, he's averaging nearly 30 right now. He's at least going to give you 20 points per game on whatever team he is. He's a physical specimen. You know, you put him on a team where there's no real shooting around him, he's not going to score as much, okay? But he's still going to give you at least 20. He's just that physically gifted uh, around the hoop. And 20 and 10 with uh, as one of the best defenders in the league, that is uh, more than a, nothing. That is a lot more than nothing. So that just set me over the top earlier. And LeBron's playing great right now, and the Lakers are playing great. I get all that. But the fact that I just – the narrative, it's kind of killing me that the media is the one that votes for this because the media is biased. They are biased, and it's crazy. I just – don't like it at all. It's like, geez, like, uh, they're just so biased, and they're going to be biased towards LeBron because he's LeBron James, and they all love LeBron, and they do anything for LeBron. I, it's just ridiculous and how the narrative is driving them towards one vote. Like, it's not even that big of a narrative. Yeah, a 35-year-old winning MVP is great, but really, that's the narrative. That's the big narrative that is leading them to vote for LeBron instead of Giannis, the fact that he's 35 years old. That, to me, just outrages me a little bit, and I think rightfully so. Now I want to talk about the Boston Celtics. My Boston Celtics are 42-21 and 21 right now, 5-5 five and five in their last 10, which has been their last 10 games since the All-Star game. So they've been pretty mediocre since the All-Star game. They've dropped their last two games. They are now in third place. They were in second. Now they're in third behind the Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks. You had the loss against the Thunder yesterday. What is Kemba doing? You know, I don't even want to talk about this play because you all know what happened. He doesn't hold on to the ball. Schroeder steals it. They, I, It's just so frustrating that that's how we lose a game. Uh, actually, Mr. Sideline was at that game. He's a Thunder fan. Um, and he, Shy Gilders Alexander's his favorite player. This is a funny story I want to throw off there. Shy, you know, he's only played in the league for a year and a half. It, it's Shy Gilders Alexander. I just call him Shy because it pisses him off. Um, but, He's been in the year for like league only for like a year and a half, but he has never missed a game in his career. Thomas goes to see him for the first time. He doesn't play. <laughs> he doesn't. That just got me. I was just like, I feel bad, but that was funny. Then they lose to the Jazz. Uh, I didn't really get to catch much of that game, so I'm not gonna have put much of an input in that game. They beat the Cleveland Cavaliers by six points. Awesome. You beat the Cavs on the road by six points. Not really that impressed, but you won a game, so yay. And then you had the killer two overtime games that I most definitely watched and I'm most definitely going to talk about. Oh my goodness, this is so frustrating. This is We're circling back about a week ago, by the way. This is Saturday. 
uh, in two, last Tuesday and not last Saturday, but the one before that. So we're circling back a little bit. We're going to start with this Rockets game. They lose by one point. It was a killer loss. Russell Westbrook went off. James Harden had a great game. And it was like the emergence of their small ball lineup. And they were doing really good to start. They had like that little burst of energy at the beginning. The Rockets, that now they suck. They've dropped like their past four games. The Rockets have. Uh, but the Celtics lose by one point. It was a good game. The Celtics played good. Their defense, yeah, they couldn't stop Ross and Harden. But they played well. Jalen Brown hit that last second shot. They forced it into overtime. The Rockets were playing really well. Uh, so I give the Celtics credit there. The game I don't give them credit for is the Brooklyn Nets game. Now, I will say the Celtics were really dinged up for this game. Uh, Kemba Walker played, but he only played on 23 minutes. He was dinged up. Uh, Jason Tatum did not play. So they had some injuries. But the Brooklyn Nets scored 51 points in the final quarter of that game. 51 that is ridiculous. How do you allow a team to score 51 points in a quarter? I don't care who you have. I don't care if you have Joe Schmo out there in me. 51 points in a quarter is ridiculous. I don't care if you don't have Jason Tatum. Oh, you had Kemba Walker. You had Marcus Smart. You had Jalen Brown. You had Gordon Hayward. No excuses. No NBA team should allow a team to come back like they're down, too. Celtics just fell asleep. Uh, in, on defense, let out 51 points to the Brooklyn Nets. Karis LeVert scored 40 points in this game. 51. He had 40-something in the fourth quarter. I, don't, I just forgot. I was in the middle of raging about whatever. But 51 points to Karis LeVert. 51 points to the Brooklyn Nets in the fourth quarter. And then you let them you let them win in overtime. And they outscored you in, outscored you in overtime 11-2. to two. That's so embarrassing. Come on. You've got to be kidding me. That I don't that just really bothered me a lot. Uh the fact that you let them come back like that. You were up by 17 points going into that fourth quarter. You scored 34 points. Like you tell Ooh, sorry. You're at home against the Brooklyn Nets. All right, you're at home against the Brooklyn Nets, who don't have KD, which they haven't all season, or Kyrie, so they don't have their two best players. Not to mention, you're at home with a 17-point lead going into the fourth quarter. You scored 34 points. 34 points is a lot to score in a quarter. It was their most in any quarter of this whole game. I'm betting my house on the fact that you won. The only way you can lose is... If the team scored 51 or more, they scored 51, forced overtime, and then kept that momentum going into overtime. And it was a great game by the Nets. Like, you know, give them a round of applause right there. Like, good job. But how how did you lose that game? And that was the one that really killed me because you just lost in overtime three days ago to the Rockets. And it was a good game. You played well. But then you lose again, and this one was unacceptable. Come on, you can't let a team come back like that. I will give the Celtics, not credit, but uh, I guess you could say sympathy for the fact that they have been banged up. Jason Tatum's been banged up. Uh, Kemba Walker's been playing ter- Ooh, sorry, terribly since he came back from that knee injury. I mean, he's been shooting on a very inefficient clip, shooting clip. Uh, he has not been able to hit his shots at all. So I give them sympathy for the fact that their two best players have been banged up. 
But let's get back on track. Like, you got a big game against the Pacers tomorrow. Pacers are a good team. They're starting to ride in. You know, Victor Oladipo just came back, and they're starting to climb up in the standings. And for the Celtics, I think they really do need the two seed. Um, the Raptors currently hold it. You're not getting the one seed. The Bucks have, haven't technically locked it up yet, but they're going to get the first seed. It all comes down to the second seed. If I'm the Celtics, I do not want to face the Bucks in the second round. The Bucks are basically a lock to win the first round because they're going to face some crappy AT. They're going to face the Wizards or the Magic or something like that. Probably the Magic. Maybe, uh, yeah, it's going to be the Magic of the Nets. They're going to face some crappy team in the first round. So if you're the four seed and you win in the first round, first of all, you're going to have a tough matchup. You're going to get the Pacers or the Sixers or maybe the Heat in the first round. That's a tough first-round matchup. If you get the second seed, you're going to face either the Magic or the Nets. And then you get home court through Achaini. I think they could really benefit from the home court. They're 23-9 and at home, 19-12 on the road. So there's not a huge difference, but the home they're definitely better at home, and I think it's going to give them an advantage. So you, you have to get at least a three seed for me because it's going to be already, if you're the four seed, it's tough in a first-round matchup, but there's no way you're getting past the Bucks in my opinion. I think it's just going to be really hard for this team. They might push it to, like, game six, but you're not getting past the Bucks. So, really, for me, it would either have to be the second or the at least the third seed. If not the second seed would really help. Uh, then you're still run, probably going to run into the Raptors because if you're the third seed, the Raptors is probably going to be the second seed. If you're the second, Raptors probably be the third. Um, so, that way, you know, worst comes to worst, the first time you could potentially run into the Bucks is the Eastern Conference Finals. And then you have to hope they get upset in like the second round. Like the Sixers got a decent matchup to matchup team against them. Like they're a bigger team. They've got a good game plan to stop Giannis. So you just got to hope and pray maybe somebody can upset the Bucks and take it from there. And also, uh, if you go into the Eastern Conference Finals and face the Bucks compared to the second round, I think you have more momentum rolling and a little more confidence because you do still have a pretty young team. So I think confidence will play a factor. So that's all I've got to say on the Boston Celtics. Uh, Kenny Atkinson left the Brooklyn Nets uh, because he was sick of Kyrie Irving. The, Kyrie, I mean, to me, I'm glad. It's the best thing that could have helped happen to the Celtics. You got Kemba Walker, uh, the team's morality. Like, I value team morality a lot more ever since Kyrie Irving left because I showed what it can do to a team. It can ruin a team, and it can really boost a team. And last year, it ruined your team. Uh, so you got rid of him and got Kemba Walker, and Kyrie's a better player than Kemba Walker, but, geez, Kemba Walker's so much better for this team. Because of the morality, just off that single fact, Kyrie's a better player than Kemba, but you know Kemba's still a good player. But Kyrie's better than him. But Kemba, you know, when I take Kyrie's uh, attitude plus his talent, and then Kemba's talent plus his attitude, I'll take Kemba any day. He doesn't have the talent Kyrie does, but he's still a decent player, and his attitude's much better, and he's a good leader for this team. So that I just wanted to throw that out there. But Kenny Atkinson. Good coach, was doing a good job with the Brooklyn Nets. I want him to go to a team, a younger team that needs some developing uh, and has some good young guards as well that need some untapped potential. Kenny Atkinson does so good with those young guards that can score. And if they can't score, he helps their scoring ability. He's just so good with that. I don't know what it is. And he's a great player developer. So if he can go somewhere like Chicago or Cleveland or even maybe Atlanta, Sacramento. Uh, I'm going to keep scrolling through the standings here. 
there are a few other teams. The 76ers possibly, even though they're not young. Uh, you know, he's Kenny Atkinson's still a good coach that can help your team win, and Brett Brown struggling there. Uh, the Wizards would be a, a definitely a good one. That was the one I was forgetting. Um, maybe the Knicks. I don't really know. Uh, but those are just a few teams I figured I'd throw out there. Like, he could fit in a lot of places. I think Kenny Atkinson makes for a really good coach in the NBA. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But that's going to wrap it up. For today's episode, go follow my Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk. I'm starting to get back in the swing of things. I'm posting back on my Instagram again. It was meant to just be like a short little few day break, really, uh, near Christmas time, and I ended up really not posting much over three months. And it was just like a couple days ago. I've been planning this for like two weeks. So I was like, I need to get back to the swing of things. Never really did, but now I'm starting to get back into it, and I'm happy I am. I'm glad to kind of be back so hopefully I get back in the swing of things by podcast that I didn't post for another two weeks so I need to get back on track and I know I say this like every episode but at least I'm posting on my Instagram again so that's starting like that trend so happy to see that so go follow my Instagram at actually the buzzer sports talk all lowercase no spaces also go call in on the anchor mobile app anything you want to talk about any opinions you have anything you want to debate with me on um any disagreements you have, anything is on the table. We haven't had a call since like December, so I'd love to see that. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time.